For so many modern driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies and then a successful coaching and online course business. But for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. We're here to share an insider's peek into the strategies and mental resilience it takes to create and run six and seven figure online businesses. As women entrepreneurs, only 2% of us will ever earn a million dollars. We've done it ourselves and we're on a mission to help you reach financial independence by chronicling our journey and sharing our proven playbook. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow a business and build a life that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the new podcasts that drop every single Tuesday. Welcome to the Angie Spoke Podcast. On today's episode, we talk with Charlotte Smith, marketing and mindset coach for farmers. Charlotte grew up on her family farm, riding horses and working 12 hours a day caring for the land and livestock. And at age 14, she watched her fifth generation family farm go bankrupt and they lost everything. What followed was years of shame in a small town where they owed everyone money. Once she had kids, she realized that she wanted them to have the same experience as she did growing up, so she decided to buy a dairy farm. But the difference was it was going to immediately be profitable. She went direct to consumer, and she sold out her product before she even brought her first cow home, and immediately she had a wait list. Farmers, of course, began asking about how she was making money, how she was doing this, and that's how her coaching company was born. And now she helps farmers build profitable farms. Here is our conversation with Charlotte Smith. Well, welcome, Charlotte, to the podcast. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much. It's fun and an honor to be here too. Charlotte, I've known you for just over a year and I have been fascinated by you as a person, but also by your business and your niche. Do you want to just start by telling everyone what you do? Because it's so cool. Yes, I am a mindset and business coach for farmers, which includes (laughs) all of agriculture, like flower farmers, cattle ranchers, chicken farmers, alpaca farmers, fiber farmers, all the farmers. <laughs> do you have beekeepers? I do. I have beekeepers. I have a lot of farmers who have bee, bees wow. as an, you know, something in addition to right. their farm. So absolutely. Which would make them like a honey farmer. <laughs> right. That's true. That's true. Okay. I want to go back. I want to hear this story from you. Can you tell us your relationship to farming? Yes. Well, I grew up on a farm here in Oregon and uh, in a little farming community of 400 people, which I came back to. So it's where I am again. And 
I grew up like as soon as you could work, you were out in the fields working. So from seven-year-olds picking strawberries and then eight years old on a tractor driving for eight hours a day. And then we worked really hard. But when I was 14, my dad's farm went bankrupt. This was back in 1980 when it was happening to lots of people. And it took about four years to go through the process and we lost everything. So, I mean, we had the clothes on our back. We lost our house. We lost over the four years. They gradually sold off everything to pay the debt. And it was, go ahead. What were you farming? What were, what were you, what was the crops or what was yeah. the revenue? I live in Oregon's Willamette Valley, which is the grass seed capital of the world. They raise grass seed for all the world's golf courses. So mostly grass oh. seed, but we also raise some wheat, corn, sugar beets, hazelnuts. So it was a very large commodity farm. He was selling to canneries or he had contracts with big corporations for his products. Uh-huh. And so four years for that whole bankruptcy to happen, what was that like? Well, it was humiliating when you live in a town of 400 and everyone knows your business and you're related to half of them and you owe people money. And, you know, our parents protected us from some of that, but we knew that people, well, as a kid, I just didn't have any tools to deal with what we were going through. So it just was really traumatic. It took me a lot of years to get over it. And the decision I made when I was 18 planning, like, what was I going to do next? It was like, I decided farming was a ridiculous way to make a living. I was going to get as far away from possible as possible from it. I went to college. I was going to have a big corporate job and never look back. So that was my, like the trauma of being raised on this beautiful farm and working really hard, losing everything. And then like, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Understandable. And so what did you take in college? What, where, what did you study? I was a communications major and I thought about going to law school. Thank goodness I didn't because now I have so many friends that are lawyers that aren't happy. So. Jenny, Jenny's a lawyer. Oh, okay. Jenny, that's great. Yeah. So I'm glad I never made it that far. But yeah, I was in my immature 18 year old brain. It was like that was the key to the universe and get us far away from the farming world as possible and find a job where you can make money and not go bankrupt and not like losing everything. It was really great now because now I have the skill of knowing how if if I lost everything today, I'm totally fine. Like I know exactly what to do. Literally, I could get a job doing driving bus, you know, it really doesn't matter. So I don't have fear of losing everything today because of that experience. But back then, yeah, it was really life-changing. And so what, I know you've come back to the farm now. So what, how did you return? Well, time heals wounds. <laughs> and when my kids were in grade school, which was, you know, 15 years or more later, I would come out and visit my parents out here in the country. And I just had this, I just started to have this pull that my kids have the same lifestyle I had growing up. I wanted them to be able, my girls to be able to jump on a horse and ride across the field like I did. And my son to be able to have a motorcycle and 
ride it around the fields. And I forgot about the pain and I remembered the lifestyle. And so 18 years ago, bought this property that I live on now and gave my kids that lifestyle. And they still are in and out. They, we, you know, they love having this as a foundation. How much land did you buy? I bought five acres and that's what I live on now. But when I had started my farm in 2005, I rented 75 acres oh, from okay. our, yeah. So I had, I was farming about 75 acres. Got it. Okay. So I read on your website, you were like, I'm not going bankrupt. I'm going to do this yeah. differently. How did you do it differently? Cause you wanted to be profitable on that farm. Yeah. When I decided, okay, this was 2009. So a lot of years ago that I wanted to use my land to have a farm instead of just sit here and, you know, mow the lawn. I actually wanted to <laughs> use it. I knew that nobody was going to tell me how much to charge. Like my dad back in the eighties and still today, when you have a commodity farm, they tell you what they're going to pay you. You do not have a say in it. And so me being the rebel is like, nobody's going to tell me what they're going to pay me. I'm going to set the price and it's going to be based on me making a profit, period, because it's such hard work. I'm not going to do it unless like any business. Why do it unless you're going to make right. a profit? So I decided that I was going to sell direct to consumer. That's the only way to do that. Because in the commodity world where you're selling to big corporations, you can't set your own price. So that meant I had to sell direct to consumer, which was wonderful. That's where I started. I have a little farm store here on the property. And we had about 100 people a week that would come to our store and shop and buy their meat, milk and eggs. And because of my education, my interest in communications, and I worked as a realtor for eight years, I had the skills to connect with people and teach them the value of our products. Because if you're going to buy farm fresh food, it's got to be more expensive than the grocery store. So you've got to learn the skills that I had to, or I had already developed to teach that to people. So your customers will value it and will be willing to forego cheap prices at the grocery store to buy our foods. So. Mm -hmm. Charlotte, I have a question for you about homesteaders. And I've just noticed this massive kind of influx into this kind of homesteading idea or back to the land idea. And I'm wondering, like, are those kinds of farmers the same like, do you relate to those people who are primarily doing this to sustainably yeah. take care of their families and then and then support themselves financially in the process? Or do you feel like to have a successful farm business, they need to think bigger than just the homestead? Oh, no. The homesteaders, my program, I have 250 farmers in there of all shapes and sizes, farms, and many homesteaders. And lots of times that's where it starts. Most people mm -hmm. can't afford to go out and buy a hundred acres plus all the infrastructure. So many people start with a backyard milk cow or a hive of bees, honeybees, or a flock of chickens. And it's to feed their own family. And then they realize, whoa, it's really expensive to have all these animals. <laughs> and if we, and they produce so much food. So if we can sell half of our milk and half of our eggs and start paying for our homestead, how beautiful is that? We can maybe take a family vacation. So that's often where it starts. 
and then one milk cow turns into two milk cows and then turns into five milk cows or a flock of a hundred chickens soon appears, you know, and you're selling them for meat. So yeah, homesteaders are often where people start and get the experience. And you're right. It's, you know, especially since COVID, a lot of people are realizing that the security of producing your own farm fresh food is a, a skill that many of us should consider. If we have the capability, if you have one acre even, or a half an acre, my daughter has a half an acre. I know people in town with chickens. So yeah, there's a great connection there. Hmm. So in 2009, when you started this, was the, was it a hard message to get across that this, like to, to explain the value where people, I can't remember 2009, to be honest, Charlotte, like were people looking for that? Like, were they seeking that out back then? Or did you have to really work to explain, you know? Mm, no. And I think that's why, you know, I teach marketing. I'm a marketing expert. And so, right. right. I think you can learn the skill to do that, but I think I had a lot of that skill of just taught, sharing the value with them. The other thing is I had a big, profound personal story with my family. Mm. We produced, we started out as a raw milk dairy. So raw milk straight from the cow, unpasteurized is he so healing for your body and physically and your gut, your immune system, your digestive system, everything. So my kids had, and do you want to hear the whole, do you want to hear the yeah, connection? Yes, okay. absolutely. So I didn't just randomly think, wake up one day and say, I'm going to start a raw milk dairy. My kids had, they were, when the, both of them were six, they developed severe eczema. And so this was, you know, oh gosh, over 20 years ago, my oldest daughter had had it for six years all over her face and eyes and doctors couldn't help her. They would give her a little steroid cream, but you know, there's problems with that and nothing would work. So one time I was always open when people would, other moms would say, well, try this herb or this salve. I tried everything. And one day someone said, try raw milk. It heals eczema. And I was like, what? I'd never heard of raw milk. I didn't know you could drink milk straight from a cow, even though I grew up on a farm because we were raising grass seed and wheat. So I actually found someone, it's or some milk. It's hard to find in Oregon. I kind of had to go underground and biggest shock of my life. My kids eczema cleared up about two weeks later. And the only thing we did was add raw milk to our diet every day, so then, they every day, just a, a glass of raw milk because it's more expensive. It's produced small batch out on mm -hmm. a farm somewhere. It's more money. So we had a glass a day and their eczema went away. Everyone was toward the end of my 10 years producing raw milk. I had doctors at Oregon Health Sciences University, nutritionists sending people out to our farm to buy raw milk because it's so healing. Mm -hmm. So that's why I started with milk cows. And then what happened is I started being asked to speak and share my story at conferences all across the United States, nutrition conferences, farming conferences. So with that story, when you have a healing story like that, the, it's priceless. People were willing to pay what I needed to charge to make build my profitable farm. And that's what I teach my farmers today is everybody has a story, whatever 
product you are raising, there's a why. There's a why for you as a farmer or a homesteader. You know, it could be, I have lots of homesteaders with lots of kids, you know, six kids, nine kids, 13 kids, and there's always stories in there. So for the marketing, I help them find their story and that's how they communicate the value. And when you do that, price is no object. When your kids mm -hmm. heal from eczema with raw milk after six years of pain and struggle, you will pay anything. It doesn't even matter what price the farmer has to charge. So that's how I teach farmers today to communicate their value. And it was like it, you asked, it was easy for me back in 2009 because I had this incredible story. Right. Charlotte, can I just ask about the legality? Like, how did you deal with that issue? And maybe it's different in Oregon, but I know in a lot of states and communities in the United States, raw milk is not something that people typically can legally sell. So how, how did that work out? It's legal over the years that I've been drinking it, 20 years. It went from being legal in only half the states to probably it's it's legal in about three quarters of the states. But most states, you have to go to the farm. California, mm -hmm. you can buy it on the shelves. There are a few states, yeah. Maine, Portland, Maine. I love it. You can buy it fresh from the farm in the grocery stores. But most times you have to find a farmer and you have to do, you, you know, you just start it's one thing leads to another. You start asking around or Facebook groups. You can find it in most places, uh -huh, but you got to do great. some homework. You can't just go to the store. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of my good friends circa like 2005, 2006 was running a, an underground raw milk operation in Washington, DC, <laughs> where people were going up to like Amish country yep. and picking the milk up from the farms and then like distributing it to people's houses. So and, that's still yeah. today, 2023, yeah. you'll find yeah. that those kind of networks all over. Yeah. It was beautiful, actually. I think a little risky, but like it was like commerce in action. Mm -hmm. People getting what they needed for their health and exactly. what they believed in. Yeah. 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 I'm glad cool. you've had that experience. So you yeah. understand. And as a mom of sick kids, you know, we will do anything. We will yeah. drive two or three hours to Pennsylvania <laughs> to get our yep. milk if that's what it takes to support the health of our family. I think that's great. I mean, it to me, homesteading and farming at this point in time is sort of like a radical act. And so like the story that you're sharing, I think, is profound as a business story, but it's also profound in that you're empowering people to do something that's like probably very difficult to do without resources or a, a community of people that are also doing it. Yes, which is why I'm a coach for farmers, because it's... um it's so challenging. There are so many struggles, not just the physical struggles and the, the financial struggles, but the, the mental struggles of, oh, shoot, they changed the law. Now I can no longer advertise my product that I've invested, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars into producing. So there's a lot of mental <laughs> and psychological stress that happens with a farm, with farmers. So my dad farms, that's where my bees are on his land. And yeah, basically just rents his land out for barley and oats. And, but I'm, you know, I hear the chatter in the community and it is such, such a struggle. Like even the farmers who, you know, have the quarter million dollar tractors, it's just such a hard business. And I just appreciate everyone who's, you know, large or small who are attempting this to, to uh, continue our 
our food, but what made you think, like, tell me the decision to go into, like, when was it that's like, I'm going to start a coaching practice for farmers? Mm -hmm. Well, when I had success on my farms, you know, I started in 2009 and, and soon because of my experience in my past and my education, I was able to sell out my products. I had a wait list and I was charging probably double what anyone else was. So farmers were taking notice and they were contacting me saying, how are you able to sell all your products at this price? So I started teaching marketing. And as I taught marketing, there were a lot of farmers who would implement it and make money and have success. And then there was a whole group of my clients who did not have success. And I started noticing that the difference was how they thought about it. The farmers who had success would say things like, oh, this is great. I'm going to figure this out. There's something I can learn. I can I can teach people how to value my products. I have hope this is going to work. The people who didn't have success, the only difference was they're telling a different story. This is hard. Nobody's going to pay this price. I don't know what to charge. I feel guilty charging people double what it is in the grocery store. My clients don't, or our customers don't respect our hard work. I realized they were just telling themselves a different story. And then I found coaching where I got certified about five years ago. And I learned the tools to teach them how to rewire their brains to tell a different story. And when you start, when they shifted from, this is so hard, nobody will pay my price to, oh, I'm going to learn how to teach people to value my products. Then I get just more and more success. And, you know, as coaches, we want, we want everyone to get results in our program. We don't want it just for the select few. So when I added coaching, it just got so many more people, farmers across the finish line of making money finally for the first time in their farm business. And I have this like idea of a farmer from my immediate experience as an older man, gruff, angry, (laughs) you know, kind of like defeatist and angry at the government all the time. Do you have, and then I, then there's like the, like on your website, you've got, you know, flower farmers who are younger and female. Like I like, can you just paint the picture of the demographic? Like, do you have some of these older generational farmers, multi-generational farmers, or is it more of the, more of these like homesteaders into choosing to choosing to go into bigger operations? I love that you asked this question because it just shows, it just reinforces this idea of neuroplasticity. We can mm. change our brains at any age. I have farmers. My youngest farmer is 19 mm. and my wow. oldest, I have several in their seventies, including two, what you just described, maybe gruff, <laughs> gruff yeah. old men when they first, yeah. when they first came to me and they work with me for my programs a year long and they turn into loving, compassionate men. Oh I'm God. not kidding you, but not everyone will do that. You know, though, the older we get in our lives, the more set in our ways we get. So of course, there's many, many farmers in the older generation, men and women both, who will never do this work. And, and I can have so much compassion from for them from afar. But if I can have one man in his 70s who's 
and 80. I mean, we'll take them at all ages, but right now the oldest mm -hmm. are, are about 75 who can see hope to maybe live their day differently instead mm -hmm. of so negative and pessimistic. They are welcome and they are going to have so much support. And what's amazing is in my group of 250 farmers, the young hipster hmm. women, flower farmers are supporting the 75 year olds and vice versa. Again, I think it's a beauty of a group coaching program is no two farmers look alike. So we're up leveling the whole farming world. And yeah, there's hope. A lot of our fathers, because my dad's probably same age as yours, same, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. same idea. A lot of them won't do this work and we can just, you know, have so much compassion from them. But those who will do this work, they can change their legacy now. They can start mm -hmm. now when whatever years they have left. You're all fired up about your business until you have to go and market it, talk about it, promote it. All of that feels so heavy, hard, and overwhelming. We know that your business will flourish when you become comfortable promoting your work. And for that reason, we created Visible, a program that helps women amplify their voice in a world that tries to keep them quiet. Build an audience around your body of work and not just your body. So forget everything you've been taught about marketing. Visible is your fastest route to building an audience of raving fans that can turn into paying clients. Inside bonus, you can ignore trend alerts on Instagram. Join Visible today at joinvisible.co. Charlotte, I know we are going to get questions about how you find your clients. And so you have this, obviously this wide amazingly diverse demographic. And so that, that leads, I think, naturally to the question of how do you find the right people for your program? How do they find you? The best thing, the way my clients, my list is pretty big now. And there's this level of connection with my list that you don't see often as lists grow directly correlates to my experience as a speaker. Like we're all thinking, I don't need to go out and meet people in person. Let's just go online. But I'm telling you, it's 10 mm. times. It speeds up the process times 10 when you can get out and meet people in person. And I started as a speaker in 2012 for free. You know, I would get my travel, my plane fare reimbursed, and that's about it. And I would speak for free, but I would go there and I had a lead magnet because I learned in, I think I learned in 2013 how to have them sign up to your email list. So then it became my goal of going to speaking at a conference was first about how many of those people can I have such an enticing lead magnet that they will get on my email list so I can keep connected with them when I leave. And then second, the second priority was teaching what I was teaching in the moment or inspiring. But my first priority was always list building. And I'm so grateful to my past self that I did that because it's kind of, you know, it's not what it, it goes against what we think to be true, but getting out and meet, meeting people. And then I thought there'd become a point where, oh, I don't have to speak anymore. I'll just use Facebook ads. But I'm telling you, I'm going, I still do keynotes. I do Zoom keynotes now, since a lot of conferences are more willing to have Zoom keynote speaker, virtual keynote speakers since COVID, there nothing beats in-person connection with people. If you can walk up and introduce yourself to someone and give them a hug or shake their hand, 
they are so many times more likely to give you money. So I get, I just make it a priority and I teach my clients set one afternoon aside each week and get out in the public and meet people. Don't stop that. Don't try to rely on just gathering people from the internet. You can do that, but it's, it'll just exponentially grow your ability to find clients when you can get out in person and meet people. Yeah. That's, I'm so glad you said that because our clients, we also teach a lot of marketing skills too. And people kind of get stuck and like, I'm have an online business. Therefore I should only market online. And I think that's such a great reminder, like go out in the world and look people eye to eye, do the networking events, do the speaking events, you know, what events can you create so that you can actually meet people in, in real life and then have something super easy for them to go. Like I got this lead magnet at charlottesmith.com slash guide or whatever, go there. Easy to remember, easy to say, easy to remember on a screen and, and build the list that way. So yeah. So is that, so that is still your number one list building is live events. Live connection. I don't really do live Mm. events, but sorry, um, I meant like speaking, speaking, speaking. speaking. So, uh, okay. I would say my number one list builder is my Facebook ad, but it is, it takes their cold when they come. So it takes months or years to turn them into a paying Mm. client. But I, so I get more people every day on my list because of my Facebook ads. But when I go speak and I Mm -hmm. get 50 people on my email list, even though I got 500 this month from Facebook ads, say I only get 50 from a speaking gig, five of those people from a speaking gig are going to buy within the next 30 to 60 days, they're hot, hot, hot leads, hot, hot. hot. And one of those hopefully will buy within the next year from the cold ad. So got it. Yeah. So I I, definitely quantity versus quality. And I do both. You got it. I, I believe in doing both in today's world. Yeah. And especially where you are in your business, like you're really trying to scale this. So you've got to add the, the paid. Can I just ask, uh, if you're willing to share, if not, that's okay too. I would love to know the price because this market is going to be very, very price sensitive. They're not making millions and millions and millions of dollars. Right. So can you just talk about what, if, if you're willing to share, what is the price and how did you choose that? Yes. My price is $2,500 for one year of weekly group coaching calls and my three online courses that cover time management, a sales course, and a marketing course step-by-step hand-holding how to do it because farmers, you know, farming is their first love, not the tech you need for marketing. And so how I came up with the price is I believe you're right. Farmers are at the bottom of the socioeconomic scale as far as income. And I want my program to be accessible to every farmer everywhere. The other thing is my program's called 5X Your Farm Sales. They will make their money back and many, many times over. They can sign up with the payment plan. And I have people, you know, everyone's different, but some will email me 30 days later and say, I invested $2,500. I just did the emails, how you teach in the five-day sales launch. And I made $10,000 that there's no way I would have made if I hadn't joined this program. So, so I made it accessible. And then what I teach, they learn to make money. 
and they will make their money back many times over. So for me, it's it's a no brainer. You can put it on a credit card for monthly payments and set your set your goal of let's make that twenty five hundred back in the first thirty days. And I tell them if you want to do that, focus on this one class in the program. So I think it's just a, a no brainer that every farmer everywhere, no matter what size, needs to be in there because it's a money making skill you will take with you the rest of your life. Oh my God. I love it. And do you, would you ever like, I, I think I know the answer to this, but I just want to hear from you. Are you going to keep your price? You don't have like some online business will be like 2,500. I'm going to double it to five. And then I'm going to have a 10,000. Is that where you're going to go? Or do you all, you want it to be accessible? Number one. Yeah. My love is providing this work for farmers, period. I always want it to be accessible right now. There is no plan to change that price. And I absolutely respect all of my colleagues that do that. Like, okay, it's 2,500 this year, price is doubling next year because I'm a better coach. My, I get my clients' results faster, et cetera. For me, the accessibility to all farmers is a value that I uphold. I want mm-hmm. everyone to be able to do this work. And that's important to me. Yeah. Okay. And then just a rando question here. You just said something in the previous comment about your clients making money. Do farmers, like, again, I'm immersed in a certain type of farmer up here. Do they have an email list? How do they grow their email list? Do they even know what an email list is? If they work with me, they have an email list. Yeah. But how do you teach them to get like in the same way that like the way that you did? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. I have lead magnet templates in my program. One's a recipe template and the other one's a checklist template. And the first thing we do within within two weeks after starting, uh, I have step-by-step how to create, say you're selling grass-fed beef. Well, then it's going to be your my five favorite grass-fed beef recipes, including you know T-bone steak, whatever. So a very right. specific, it's a beautiful thing that their customers will see on their website and I make it super easy for them or the checklist lead magnet template also very beautiful. They just have to put their content in there, which is so easy for them to do. And it might be like a check, get your free checklist, seven tips to make your fresh cut flowers last longer or something like that. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes, I teach them lead magnets and how to build an email list with all their customers. And they, my farmers in my program learn to make money. They're learning to build profitable farms, which most people think is is not possible in the farming world. But it is when you learn the skills and shift your mindset. I believe you have a second offer. I do. <laughs> I do. I have a program because the farmers get in there and they love how their life changes with coaching their relationships change. You know, a lot of farmers are farming generationally. So of course their, their marriage has never been better. Their relationship with their in-laws or their parents or their adult children has never been better. And so they wanted coaching, like, how do we get more of this? So yes, I have a program for anyone who's in my five X year farm sales program. Once a year, I have a program called farmers coaching farmers coach certification and I take them through a coach training program. And that it is amazing. It deepens their self-coaching. This is, uh, and then they can use that 
for their own personal development, but many of them are using it professionally. Like they are building, you know, for me, when I started raw milk, I had a lot of customers with a lot of children, families with health issues. So they are using coaching to coach their customers. And because they built this email list, Mm. they, yes, they sell their products. And now they have a coaching practice where they meet with five people a week, or they're coaching other farmers because they've been in business. They have a set of skills and now the mindset to coach other farmers who want help. So the beauty, here's how I, I just love that I was able I'm so grateful to myself that I didn't know this was what I was doing, but coaching is way bigger profit margin than farming. So I have now given the farmers in my program a way to keep farming because they have a way to five clients a week. They can work for 10 hours a week on this side gig that is so much more profitable. It also gives my older farmers a way to retire. Like, you know, when I was in my, entered my fifties, I realized, okay, I can't milk cows forever. What can I do next? Coaching has been that solution for me. And a lot of my older farmers are moving toward coaching so they can back off on the physical demands of farming. And sometimes it's training horses, herding cattle, hauling cattle to the butcher. I do that, did that a lot. And there were times where I thought, oh, I could have been killed right there. How responsible is this at my age? So so I've created this livelihood for farmers that again is transforming their lives, saving their lives, that they can use coaching, which they love. Because once once we find coaching and have it change our own lives, you know, we want to share it with the world. And so, yeah, that's been a really fulfilling second part of my business. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Charlotte, can you tell us a little bit about your team size? Yes, sure. I have, uh, I have three virtual assistants Mm -hmm. that specialize in different areas. One is social media. One is my admin, my, you know, I get hundreds of emails a week. She helps me with that. And the third one is tech. If I say I have, you know, my launch coming up, she knows all the 50, she can just go set up the launch. Tried to get a VA that could do all three, but once, once I got bigger to this level at having those three experts, they all work various part-time hours. So I don't have any one of them full-time. That's been great. And then I have three paid coaches I contract with who help me out because up until a year ago, I was doing all the coaching and I was growing and it became a bottleneck. I was the bottleneck. Like I can't, you know, we were just in Nashville for a week, you and I Mm -hmm. (laughs) building our businesses. I wasn't able to have that flexibility to leave, but now with my Mm -hmm. three contract coaches who I can call on to support me, I can continue grow. I can teach coach training, for instance, and have them help out in other ways. So yeah, I have six different contractors. How many hours do you think you work in a week? I try to work about 30 hours a week. That doesn't include that I am thinking about and reading articles and books Mm -hmm. on the, you know, when I'm done with work, my evening is spent often reading, listening to podcasts. It doesn't include that mental time, but 30 hours a week running my business, coaching, creating content, recording podcasts, all that. 
Yeah. We also wanted to ask you about your book. Yeah. Is it self-published? It is. And did you do that for like a lead magnet? Like, is that a funnel kind of situation? Yes. So I, before I wrote the book, I learned, I was fully educated that you don't make money on a book unless you're yeah. like Danielle Steele or John Glennon Doyle. Yeah. yeah, exactly. A book. And so being in the marketing world, what I kept reading is a book is a fantastic marketing tool. So I wrote my book. That was a challenge. I, I said, I'll never write another book. It was, that is really hard work. I self, I bought I think I bought a $100 course on how to write a book and publish it as an Amazon bestseller. And I followed that course step by step by step. I did exactly that. I made it an Amazon bestseller that first month or so it was on there. And what then what happens is now um, I use the, in the book, they, they might buy the book or be given the book. And inside I've got lead, like, if you want the worksheets to go along with this chapter, right. go to charlottemsmith.com right. forward slash worksheets. And now they're on my email list. So that is an email list builder. And what I realize is also I get better. I, I got keynote. I started getting asked to do keynote speaking gigs because I had a book. So it's, they mm -hmm. like their keynote speakers to have books. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is if I'm doing a speaking engagement and there's 30 people, 50 people in the audience, I take a book for everybody. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they may never read the book. It's, I made it small and affordable on purpose. So affordable for me, them, them also, but, but me to print off a bunch of copies and take them and hand them out for free because then we're practicing this, the reciprocity factor. Like I've given mm -hmm. them a book and now they're going to go home and feel all these wonderful dopamine that she gave me a book and jump on my website and get on my email list and become a paying client. So it's just a, the, writing the book has been a beautiful, strategic, smart marketing tool. And I didn't know how great it would be. And so I'm giving my past self lots of credit for taking <laughs> the time to do that. Oh, that's great. That's great. Okay. Do you have any questions about that, Jenny? Oh. Join Hustle. Yes. So Charlotte, at the end of every episode, we always ask our guests to share something that's bringing you joy in your life right now and a tool that can help our audience grow in their career or business. Um, I'm excited, excited for this. I, like, I'm so curious what you're going to say. Okay. Well, it's very, very, very simple. My joy, I was, my joy is so simple. I take about an hour every day at the end of my day. My day ends about three o'clock in the afternoon. And I take an hour of personal time where I do nothing. I don't go get a massage or, you know, I don't go work out. I don't catch up on laundry. I'm just, I'm just being present with myself. And I might have a, a prompt, you know, I might pull up a affirmation on self-love or self-acceptance to prompt me. And I just go into this quiet space. And what I realized is that is luxury. Like I spent my whole life chasing luxury, like, oh, mm -hmm. luxury is the right vacation. Or when I have that purse or that uh, car, my life will feel luxurious. And when I added this free time every day of being present, doing nothing, my life feels so luxurious. 
Like I realize now that that time doing nothing is the luxury I was trying to go after my whole life and I will never stop doing that. It's it. And it does. It's so joyful. And I teach my clients the same thing in the program. I teach them that as farmers and they learn, I teach them time management. So they learn how to create that for themselves. And same thing. We all just will never go back to not having that. Yeah, that's great. And your hustle. My hustle, I have been playing around with chat GPT and what I've realized, and I want to keep playing around with it so I can teach it to my clients when I, I'll, I'll just put in like topics, give me some ideas for this or that. And what I realize, or write an email about something and it's not copywriting. So it's, but it'll give me so many ideas for content for both me and my clients. And then I can go in and use my copywriting skills to make it less like, you know, formal English speak mm-hmm. and turn it into sales copy, whether that's on my um, social media or emails or anything. So I've been really blown away by what I you just saying a sent like write a sales email in the voice of Charlotte Smith and see what they come up with. And it just is gives me so many other ideas. Yeah, that's amazing. We are Jenny's. Well, Jenny, you talk, you're all into chat GPT. Yeah. I I mean, AI in general, I'm sort of a, a fan and someone who's extremely wary of the implications for society, but I do study it quite a bit and I'm, I'm pretty intrigued and impressed. I do think it makes running an online business much easier than it was when we all got started. So I think people have a bit of a leg up on on us. Cause just the sheer amount of content you need to create when you're getting started, it really helps to not have a blank page. So I yeah. agree with that one. And it's interesting that I can tell in my inbox now, the emails that are written to me mm, by yeah. AI, it's like, Oh, they're yeah. And so my intrigue is to learn how to d- edit the copy so that it's it does it is is not recognizable as an AI email because I get those every day. It's like, oh, you're you're trying, you're taking the lazy way out. We still gotta <laughs> do some work to make it connect. But I love the challenge. That's great. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for spending the time chatting with us. It's been an absolute delight. And tell everybody where they can find you if they want to learn more. Sure. I'm uh I have a podcast, the Profitable Mindset Podcast. My website is charlottemsmith.com. So much beautiful resources for farmers on that website. I'm on Instagram, charlotte.m.smith. I think that's about it. That's great. Thank you, Charlotte. Love chatting with you. Thank you for having me. It's been so fun. This podcast is brought to you by Marvelous. Marvelous helps you build and grow your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. If you're looking for a simple, beautiful, custom branded platform to build and grow your online business, you can learn more at heymarvelous.com.